What's going on, Sounds of Sharks fans? We're midway through the week, and we got some news for you. Breaking news literally within the last hour. The Sounds of Sharks have acquired goaltender Alex Stalock from the Edmonton Oilers. Stalock was one of our original draft picks back in 05, so he's coming back to Cali. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of you Sharks fans out there, like myself included, is, you know, first question is like what does it mean right obviously the first thing that comes to mind is that Aiden Hill is not going to be ready to play anytime soon um, so there's kind of the other topic of the evening as well so James Reimer he got injured in the San Jose Sharks loss to the Vegas Knights last night Sharks lost in Vegas three to one Noah Gregor out of all the players, was the only one to score for the Sharks last night. And, um, yeah, so James Reimer, it was first shared, you know, there's no update on his injury or the extent of, um, or better yet to say, when he'll return, when he'll be available to play again, how severe this injury is. Hopefully he returns because he's been pretty much the only sounds a shark who's been holding it down for us this whole season. Um but yeah, so I'll get into the James Reimer injury in just a little bit. I just kind of want to um, go back to the latest breaking news again within this past hour. Salzy Sharks announced that they have acquired Alex Stalox for some kind of future um, a combination. I guess, you know, the whole deal is pretty much going to... To me, it sounds like, you know, they're still going to be working it out. Usually when you have a trade like this, it tends to be like, okay, um, the compensation will be considered or determined later on, you know, whether it's, um, you know, typically like a draft position. But uh, that that doesn't matter. Let's get back to, you know, Alex Stalock returning to the Sounds of Sharks. So, yeah, I think the first thing right away off the top of my head is that means Aiden Hill is not going to be able to play. Of course, Aiden Hill is been injured as well he was placed on the injured reserve most recently so we could free up a roster space to acquire ryan dezingle so excuse me pardon me clear up a roster spot to call up <laughs> my bad to call up um some players from the cuda and of course it helps out when we acquire ryan dezingle off of waivers too uh, i digress so yeah, if Hill is still on injuries, you know, Hill's been practicing, just like they say with EK65, Eric Carlson, he's been practicing, even though he's still technically injured, recovering from his forearm surgery. But yeah, when you make a trade for a goaltender, it obviously, in my opinion, it means that, you know, we are trying to get some insurance here. It doesn't seem like Aiden Hill is going to return in my opinion, otherwise, why, you know, why have to figure out what you're going to send the Oilers way? You practically already send another player their way. That's all I'm going to say. Actually, you know, it's really quick, little, little sidebar here. It's crazy because last time we we're talking about Edmonton Oilers and goaltenders, we were speaking of how the Edmonton Oilers were rumored by the Athletic to be interested in James Reimer. So obviously this injury, that you know that whole that whole thing folded on itself, and the Sharks seems to be the ones who purchased a netminder from their squad instead of the other way around. So yeah, 
Um, I think the only three questions remain is, does Alex Stalock play in the Barracuda? Can this possibly mean that Sawchenko and Melanchuk will finally get to be, you know, the goalie, um, the goalies for the Sharks on the main roster? Um, I obviously was, like most of you fans out there, was thinking, okay, this is what's going to happen right away. So when I first seen the Alex Stalock trade announced, my first reaction was like, okay, Sawchenko is starting, Melanchuk is going to get called up. And they're going to fill that uh, vacancy with Stalock and Lakuta. However, Assistant General Manager Joe Will, who's the acting general manager still in Doug Wilson's absence, went on record to say that, you know, they're just adding another player to the roster with NHL experience. Obviously, it's a safe choice of bringing a netminder who you've had, uh, you know, a history with. But my biggest concern, which I think is. The, a legitimate question probably some of you out there in Sharks territory are starting to wonder is does this mean Alex Stalock starts I mean we could go three different ways with this um but does he start for the San Jose Sharks I mean that'll be that in my opinion that'll be crazy like that'll be nutty to be like all right here's a guy that we haven't had on the roster in forever and essentially we're going to trade for him and start him over the two guys who've been, you know, in the CUDA or on the main roster when they're filling in for, you know, injuries. So I first I was thinking, you know, Alex Stalock is a starter to South East Sharks doesn't seem like the, you know, like the direction you should go in. But hey, uh, I'm not the bench boss. And we all know that the bench boss has made some head scratchers when it comes to putting together the, uh, you know, game day rosters. Um, so we'll see what happens. Honestly, if Alex Stalock starts for the Sharks, I mean, come on. Like, talk about like um like a blow to the whole um you know hype of what can be, you know, a, a great time to revitalize, rejuvenate the team and get the fan base back into Sharks hockey. You know, it, it's one thing for them to not show up on the um, you know, at the arena at the tank. But now, you know, now the Sharks are struggling to keep fans just tuned into the game from home. So, you know, I, I'm hoping that Sachenko and Milinchuk are going to be our guys and that Stalock is going to go play for the Cuda. But with the compliments and the high regards of his NHL experience, we may see Alex Stalock as a starter of the Sharks. That wouldn't surprise me. Anyways, enough of Stalock. We'll, you know, those those uh, questions will be answered in the near future. It sounds like Sharks play... Um, the fifth. So we still got some, um, you know, we still got some some time between then and now to figure out uh, what they're gonna do. Anyways, so James Reimer, that's probably the biggest news of the evening. Definitely, you know, um, took over the whole entire game, the narrative, and maybe even some of the um morale from the from the squad. But essentially. He goes down. It's was announced by the Sharks PR that it was a lower body injury. He never returned back to the game or the bench after the first intermission. So, um, you know, Sachenko said essentially he went to the locker room, gave him a nod and said, you know, it's your time to go out there and, uh, you know, hold it down. And all I can say about this is 
Now everyone knows why we wanted Rhymes to take a game off. Like seriously. Um, some of you out there might be arguing, like, you know, because um, he played 12 consecutive games in a row. And some of you out there might be like, you know what? That's typically what starting goaltenders do. I believe in the last podcast, we we're talking about how getting to Bakop did 40 plus. Um, the biggest difference, in my opinion, though, is it's not that he's playing too many games. It's the type of games that he's playing in. The Sharks are not generating any offense. Defensively, they can barely hold the zone, let alone leave it. Uh, Reimer had been left hung to dry in some cases. And, um, you know, again, it's easy to compare his game played, you know, that stat to other netminders. But the biggest difference is when those goaltenders are playing night after night. So are their teams. So I'm pretty sure most of you out there can see the difference in the movement and the type of, you know, saves how he's on the ice. I mean, I think at one point, like he's for a couple of times, he was literally just like, like on his belly making saves. He's been showing fatigue for a while. You can tell and you can't deny it. So for those of you out there who are like, Hey, um, you know, Reimer playing 12 games in a row. Isn't necessarily like a burden. Like it's probably like, you know what the professional standard is. Yeah. Well, come on. The professional standard isn't necessarily having four shots in the first period, five shots the following game, first period, so on. You know what I'm trying to get at, or, you know, pretty much like letting the guy make 40-plus, 50-plus save nights and then starting them back-to-back, you know, night after night. Come on. He's been holding it down. Obviously, he's one of the biggest reasons why the Sharks are even – averaging one point in the standings per game so this isn't on Reimer and I'm telling you it's like this is exactly why I believe Sharks fans wanted to see him have a night off because this is what we did not want to see you know no one ever wants to talk about injury or wish it upon any of our players but this is exactly what Sharks fans were afraid to, to see is that he gets right like you know they ride on his back until the gas tank is empty and then next thing you know you know you start having some um you know problems in this case we still are unaware what it you know what it is that you know may keep him out or for how long but i'm just hoping that we could get james Reimer back because whether or not he's been acknowledged or officially announced this is the shark starting goaltender for the 2021-2022 season and um with the fact that we trade for Alex Stalock today, obviously it doesn't look like Optimus Rhyme or Aiden Hill will be back with the Sharks for a, a minute, a hot minute. We'll see. Supposedly Hill was supposed to be making a comeback um, and maybe back in the lineup by next week, but uh, this trade kind of points in the opposite direction. All right, moving on. Um... So yesterday we broke the news, which was kind of weird. So, um, or not yesterday, the last podcast, pardon me. We haven't got together and talked Sharks hockey since the last day of February. This is our first podcast for the month of March. So welcome to all you who are tuned in on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Um, while I'm on this subject, you can see it right there. If you want to be a part of the podcast, by all means, please visit the speakpipe.com page that you see right there. 
That's speakpipe.com forward slash Shark City Hockey. Drop a message. You got up to five minutes to let us know what it is you think about Alex Lachenko. How do you feel about James Reimer being injured and how it's going to affect the Sharks for the rest of the season? And pretty much anything you like, honestly. It's an open mic. I just ask that you keep it clean. Um, so moving on. Um, as I was, or excuse me, back to what I was saying. So last podcast we got together, I announced that the Adidas hockey had brought back the golden seals, the California golden seals, and the original look of the 1991 San Jose Sharks jerseys. Uh, oddly enough, I noticed that the Sharks didn't really mention it like at all. I actually called today. I called the Sharks store at the tank to verify if they have the jerseys in stock. And they haven't even heard of it. That's crazy. That's just crazy for me. I mean, the person I talked to didn't know. And that could just be because it's, you know, brand speaking new, just a couple of days old. But um, them not knowing about that for me feels like, like, are they even going to, um, you know, stock it? Are they going to carry it? Um, so, yeah, I found it really weird that the team didn't do anything to build up this jersey or this look. Perhaps it's because most fans were waiting for the inaugural or the heritage. Um, they call it away jersey, but technically it's a home jersey. But they're looking for the heritage whites. So am I. And I'm still hoping that Adidas release, uh, releases um, that jersey so we have the complete set. Um, but yeah, again, I checked the team's pro shop, pro shop website. It's not there either. And um, just so you know, the Adidas website had it on sale midnight, March 1st. It's already sold out. However, I checked earlier today, and it's fully in stock at NHL.com. So if you're looking to get your hands on the original 1991 style of the San Jose Sharks till jersey, right now it seems like the best place or the only place to get it will be NHL.com. Shark Story is not carrying it. I'm thinking maybe they have too much inventory built up from last season's heritage. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I found that really, really odd. Anywho, um, I want to touch base on this topic because um, there's a lot of things going on in today's world. I'm not going to spend too much on the politics and stuff, but the world conflicts that's going on right now, and that's between you know uh, Russia and Ukraine, the whole war that's going on right there. Uh, first, first and foremost, our our hearts and our prayers are out to the families that are involved, are caught in between the crosshairs of this ridiculous conflict for you know uh, modern day society and world. But the conflict in terms of how it affects hockey, you know, it's starting to like um, you know, it's strange. But this this whole thing that's going on between two countries is starting to literally change the way um you know it's starting to have an impact in the hockey world i guess is what i'm trying to get at uh the international olympics committee they had called on all international sports federations to ban russian athletes and teams from global competition and then uh earlier today i mean and following that the international ice hockey federation they expelled russia from six tournaments uh, women's, men's, under 18, juniors, and other world championships. And then, oddly enough, today, EA Sports, the NHL video game franchise, 
decided that, hey, we're going to take Team Russia from the video game too. Now, again, I'm not trying to, you know, get too political with this stuff. I'm just simply saying, uh, you know, saying how this conflict is starting to, you know, um, affect the world of hockey as well. But also more specifically, it's because our first line winger, Alexander Barabanov, the San Jose Shark, the only San Jose Shark to score with like a fraction of a second left in the game. You know, he, he's from um, St. Petersburg, if I'm not mistaken. He's Russian, and his agent, and pardon me if I, if I misquoted his, his uh, ethnicity there, my, my apologies, or his background, but his agent essentially is saying that Russian players are facing racism because of this whole thing that's going on. And um, I can kind of see where they're coming from because, you know, this conflict isn't between the athletes or the professional hockey players who spent their entire lives training to be in the positions or have these opportunities to compete on the world stage or at, you know, a elite level um, um, hockey tournament or event, right? Um, you know, they're just getting pulled from it. So I don't understand it. I definitely don't understand them getting pulled from a video game. But um, yeah, Barabanov's agent, that was news today. He called, he's calling this stuff out saying that, you know, these players are facing racism uh, Bob Bugner was asked today if whether or not, you know, he's witnessed any evidence or seen anything that suggests that uh, Barabanov may be um, subject to um, any kind of like prejudice or any kind of mistreatment. Bugner confirmed that he hasn't seen anything of the sorts. And he uh, doubled down by saying that the Sharks have a family like atmosphere. And in his own words, like they're all Barbie. Which is his nickname, Bear Bonoff. So, and, you know, hopefully that whole thing um, finds resolution soon. And that's pretty much all I have for that topic. So, uh, moving on. Today's today's uh, podcast was really focusing on just reacting to the news with Reimer, the news with Staylock. And also, one of the features today is we took to Instagram to ask some questions for the fans out there and took some polls and to get a gauge on your how you're feeling about the shark season now that you know um everything that has occurred in the last 24 hours so um we'll get going with that right there starting right now um first question i asked sharks fans on instagram was does losing rhymer end our playoffs hopes uh 78 of you out there feel like this is it like, that's the nail in the coffin, so to speak. Uh, that with James Reimer being out of the um, lineup, it's symbolically the end of our season. So, yeah, 78% of you feels like playoff hopes are now gone. Not that m- most of you out there probably felt that they existed in the first place. But, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely can feel that out there. Now, for me, I'm optimistic, and I remember way back when and again, I don't like to talk about injuries. It's kind of messed up. But uh, when Steve Shields, when Steve Shields went down, and the beginning of Bakoff entered the game, the rest is history. So with Reimer being down, and the Sharks, they've been dealing with this all season long. Just the other day on the podcast, we were playing some audio of, of Reimer speaking of that next man up mentality, and um. 
you know, sharing his thoughts and comments on regards to the Mar the Mario Ferraro injury that just occurred. So, I mean, the Sharks definitely got the injury bug right now, and it's getting tough. It's getting tough. Um, our best players are dropping out, and it's a season where if we don't make the playoffs, it's going to be the first time in franchise history you miss it in three years. And if we don't seem to be in a playoff position come the next 20 days, we're going to start having some more conversations about Hurdle or maybe anyone else who may not be, you know, um, or, you know, who has a lucrative contract extension on the horizon. So um, I'll save some of that for a little bit later. But I was feeling like Sanchenko, like most of you out there, Team Sanchenko, like if he would have an opportunity to start some games in between that whole 12 consecutive for Reimer, that, you know, that would take some of the uh, workload off of, of Optimus Rhymes back and preserve him for what would hopefully be a playoff push. Well, he's out. He's out. And I got to look at the tape again. Some people suggested, you know, it could have been a, a groin issue. I got to check it out, see what's going on. I did not catch it. I'll admit it. Um, but back to the point, I asked Sharks fans out there, if you believe that Sachenko can save the season for the sounds of Sharks. That's the whole point why I brought up uh, getting the Bach off just a moment ago. 62% of you say no. That right there kind of shocked me. I mean, not that I expect Sharks fans to be like, all right, Sachenko is going to be the answer we've been looking for all season. But to me, it kind of was more or less insight on how the fans feel overall going here I'm um, going forward with what sounds like sharks hockey as in we're we are expecting this to be what makes us plummet to the bottom it's just one more spot of the pacific and um you know essentially be done like no postseason so uh this one might be a little bit too sour I know a lot of uh, you out there were taking as many shots as possible to um, the Vegas Golden Knights. Even the broadcasters had themselves kind of um, some fun, um, you know, picking and choosing on how they decided to uh, name themselves and how they modified the city, etc. The name of the city and their team name. But once one thing remains, regardless of our opinion or how we feel about their style, their helmets, <laughs> you know, their golden helmets. It's the fact that ever since Peter DeBoer taken over as a bench boss in Vegas, some of the Sharks have not beat them. So I asked Sharks fans, do you feel the Sharks will ever beat Peter DeBoer's Golden Knights? And 55% of you as of right now say no. Now if you want to um, fudge with the numbers and kind of have your take, the poll will still up. It'll be up for at least going until tomorrow. So all those questions, uh, the results may change, but nonetheless... The majority of Sharks fans feel like the playoffs hopes are done with Reimer out of the lineup. That saw Chenko as promising and exciting as the young talent might be. He's not going to be able to save the season, a.k.a. lead us to the playoffs. I don't know about that. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they have a chance. We'll see. We'll see with Stalock coming to the Sharks. We'll see if Sachenko even gets a chance to start. Um, 
And then obviously, you know, the Golden Knights, we have a couple of um, games remaining with them. And half of you, or a little bit more than half of you out there, feels like, you know, pretty much put an L next to the dates in the schedule for that one. I don't know about that. I feel like we'll we'll get a chance. Um, so some other things that we did on the Instagram, which is kind of a first for, for, uh, for me and for this podcast, is we actually asked you to ask us questions or ask, you know, people right here, Shark City questions. And being the host of the podcast, I get the uh, glorious opportunity to try to answer them. <laughs> no pressure. Anyways, um, so the first question that... The fans, I I selected a few. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be able to cover them all. I selected a few. However, um, I'll be asking these, or we'll have these opportunities to, you know, have more questions asked and take some more polls as as we get closer to the trade deadline and toward the end of the season, hopefully into the playoffs. But you get the gist of it. If you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, get your question in, or you know, um, play your part in our polls. You'll still have plenty of opportunity. Just don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Shark City Hockey. Anyway, so so one of the questions that stood out was just kind of like um, kind of two questions. So um, first question was, what are the Sharks' problems right now? Which aligns with another question, why do the Sharks suck? <laughs> that was my favorite one. I'm not gonna lie. Like straight to the point. Um, some some out some of you out there might have been sold on the narrative that it's because of the lack of depth scoring. Now, if you've listened to this show regularly, you know that I feel like the depth scoring is waiting for us in Dakota, waiting for us to sign those contracts and get them on the team, or waiting for us to call them back halfway around the world. So, you know, some of you might say, well, it's depth scoring. Others might say it's the lucrative contracts that the Sharks have with the minimal games played. You all know who we're talking about out there. Uh, but right now, the obvious answer is the offense. When the Sharks can only put five shots on goal or less in the first period for consecutive games, you know, that right there is pretty much all on the offense. Um, so obviously it's a team game, you know what I'm saying? But um, let's dive into the records this season to just see how the offense or lack thereof has affected our overall record. So the Sharks, when scoring first, are 16, 4, and 3. Surprisingly enough, when their opponents score first, or not surprising, pardon me, uh, what I meant to say, that was sar- sarcasm, really. But, um, no surprise, though, I meant to say to everyone, is when our opponents score first, the Sharks are 8, 20, and 3. So, even, even when we outshoot our opponents, which we haven't been doing a lot of lately, and we'll break down those shots by period and the scoring by period in just a moment, but even when we're outshooting our opponents, we're still 8, 12, and 3. Um, so yeah, obviously the Sharks perform better when they get the first, when they get that first goal, putting four shots on goal, 
they lucked out the other night, okay? They lucked out the other night when one of their four in the first period went in. But what I'm trying to say is when you're putting up like less than... If if I could count how many shots on one hand you put in the first period, obviously that's going to freaking affect your ability, you know, to score first. So right now the Sharks, if they score first, that's been their best, like, their best ally when it comes to, you know, their games. They've only had four losses and three OT losses. If So um, you got to get more pucks on the net. It's the simplest way to say it. Um, when they lead after the first period, the Sharks have 10 victories, two losses, and uh, two OT losses. So they're 10, 2, and 2 when they had the lead after the first period. So it shows right there just as much as scoring first. If they lead going into the first intermission, they still, you know, they have the better chances of winning. However, um, it's even more so when they have the lead after the first. They're 16-0-1. 16-0-1. On the flip side of that coin, when they are trailing after one period, they only won four games. I'm not even going to say OTLs anymore. Just, just, they're just Ls. So, 4-20. and 20. Some of you out there in the barrier are saying that ain't a bad thing. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know who you are. After two periods, it's it's ugly. When the sh if the Sharks are losing after two periods, they've only won one game, one game all season long. So, you know the offense needs to step it up. Uh, scoring by period, the Sharks, um, they have a total of um, forty two in the first, forty six in the second, forty seven. In the third, um, opponents are 56, 50, and 56. In terms of shots, they're a little bit closer. Um, so it's not really worth um, diving into. But all that to say is, Sharks got to generate offense, okay? Now, obviously, generating offense, in my opinion, comes to, you know, the quality of the lines that you put on the ice, so right now, Hurdle, Meyer, and Barabanovs are the Sharks' number one line. And in terms of game day roster placement, okay? However, the Sharks, you know, in my opinion, one of their more productive lines, and one of this guy hasn't, he's not like getting penciled into the games, he's being scratched. But it was Dolan, Couture, and Meyer. Dolan, Couture, and Meyer had 27 games. Most of this was early on in the season. But in their 27 games with each other, there still hasn't been a better line in terms of goals for. Okay? So Dolan, Couture, and Meyer, their line has 12 goals for. Now, Bear Bonif, Hurdle, and Meyer, they're catching up. And Hurdle and Meyer are the ones carrying that uh that workload for sure uh they have 10 goals for so far in the 222 minutes or 24 games that they played for each other 
or with each other, pardon me. Um, so when you break it down with the time that they played with each other and you break it down for goals for per 60 minutes, a.k.a. how many times, like what's the average goals that they score in regulation? Dolan, Couture, and Meyer still hold it down with 3.04. We're just going to say 3, okay? So an average of 3 goals per 60 minutes. It's 2.7 for Hurdle, Meyer, Hurdle, Meyer and Barabanov, pardon me. But you can see what I'm getting at. Or, or I mean, the point I'm trying to make here is we had strong lines. We had lines that were building chemistry. How do you expect the players to build chemistry if you're constantly moving them around, moving them from the checking line to the starting line, from the second line to the third line, etc., etc.? Or you just scratch them all together. We're going to send them down on waivers. You know what I mean? Like, so if you want to generate offense, you have to give these guys the opportunity to, to play some games with each other, and you got to keep your strongest lines together. Otherwise, you get this. These these results where sharks just don't look like they're showing up, or they or they forget you know how to play the fundamentals. You know what I'm saying? So um, with that being said, that kind of like transitions to the other question that I want to cover today. As I look at our time, we've been going for almost two um, two regulation um, periods of hockey here. So, uh, what do the sharks need to do in the offseason to return to the playoffs? Um, well, the direction of the team will obviously be subject to what goes down the trade deadline. Um, also, the Kane grievance and exactly how much they commit to renewing expiring contracts. Um, so, you know, it's no secret in Sharks territory. We have a lot of salary cap committed to just a few players. Uh, the biggest of those contracts belong to Couture, Carlson, and Vlasic. Making $7 million or more a year. So to break it down, Mark Edward Vlasic is going to be making $7 million until 2026. Couture and Carlson are inked until 2027. Our captain at $8 million a year. And Carlson at eleven point five. That's the cap hit. Okay. Um, so next season, the biggest one, obviously, is Tomas Hurdle. Tomas Hurdle is unrestricted. We're not too sure if he's going to sign with the Sharks. But just mentioning those contracts with Couture, Carlson, and Vlasic, I'm not too sure if the Sharks really have the means or are even interested in having another lucrative lengthy contract to add to that cap hit um just f for the other stars worth mentioning you have a uh, redeem simic he's making two and a half uh 2.25 million um going into 2024 so out of like the two million dollar club we'll call it yeah bonino reimer um redeem and for Benino and Reimer, oh, you also have Hill, pardon me. These guys, their their contract expires next season. 
So, um, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know how, how much further, I mean, the goaltenders is a situation, but like with Benino, Reimer, Hill, Radim, if I had to choose who, like, you know, who to move, what contracts to kind of like, you know, wipe clean, I would start with the 2 million club. Sounds absurd, but I'm just saying starting from next season, maybe not necessarily this trade deadline, but maybe work something out in the offseason. We'll see what happens. But um, Brent Burns is making $8 million into 2025. Timo Meyer might be in the same situation Tomas Riddle is this time come around next year because he will be, you know, um, due for a contract as well. So why spit on all those contracts and all those numbers? Well, you know, how much are the Sharks willing to commit to these contracts? You know, is Timo Meyer or Tomas Hurdle going to be in San Jose anymore? Here are some of the contracts that expire as well next season. We'll do the restricted ones since that gives us an opportunity to at least match the offer sheet, right? Um, so you have Noah Gregor, Jacob Middleton, Jonathan Dolan, Nicholas Malosh, and Jonah Gajevich. Okay. Unrestricted free agents, obviously the guy we cleaned off of waivers, Ryan Dezingle, and Andrew Cogliano and Alexander Barabanov, who we acquired via trade from Toronto. So, which all three of them, by the way, are making like the minimum, like they're making like a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Um, for, you know, for people of their stat or for players of their stature. Anyways, so if I was, if I was be GM for a day, and I don't mean any disrespect, but out of all those names mentioned, I would keep Dolan and consider perhaps Gadjevich. Bear Bonoff, he's he's doing some exciting things on the first line. But if I had to choose, I would keep Dolan. Maybe Middleton and Gadjevich. Gregor, you know, he's putting on a lot of shots on Nip. Not much of them are going in. Uh, he got he finally got the Schneider not too long ago, but um I mean the other night, but I would definitely, you know, just free up those space, free up those uh, roster space and start infusing your younger talent, the players from your prospect pool. It just makes sense at this at this point. You know what doesn't make sense? The Alex Stalock trade. And thank you, Rocket Zach, for pointing that out on our Instagram in the comment section. <laughs> but, um... It's 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 more it's more in depth than just the contracts and I don't mean this. These guys are all tremendous people, great players, but we're talking about you know what's best for a franchise here. And I personally think that we need to start infusing the youth now, free up these washer spaces. I know a lot of them is just for depth. A lot of them are just to you know have um, NHL caliber players, aka NHL ready players. Um, you know, on the roster to try to, you know, but I think we could get that out of our prospects at this point. Anyways, um, but, you know, all, all that stuff, it starts from the top. It really does. So if I had to really start, like if I had to really start on how to fix the Sharks in the offseason so they could return to playoffs, 
then I would say that one of the first things I need to occur in the offseason is that Bob Boudner needs to go. Absolutely no doubt Bob Boudner needs to go. Sharks are failing at the basics. Just mentioned earlier, the Lions are constantly in flux. How can that chemistry begin to build, right? Especially when players are in and out of the lineup. Now, you could blame some of the things like injuries or the pandemic for some of the early season woes, but there's like no excuse at this point. Top two goaltenders being out and your top two defensemen might be enough to get you a hall pass for this second half of the season. But scratching guys like Dolan, I don't know. Again, I've I've already said don't don't ask me to try to like decipher what goes on in the boogeyman's mind. Um, but also, you know, do do you really feel Bog Bruner brings any anything to the table when it comes to like trying to pull in players to signing with the Sharks in the offseason? Not necessarily the guys on the roster now, but like if we're trying to attract some higher caliber players, some some players that could have more of an impact. I don't see Bugner like bringing, I don't see him having like, I don't see any player having an incentive to want to sign in San Jose while, while this guy is like, you know, seems constantly to be out of sync with the game. I mean, twice in the past week, he mentioned the Sharks taking the lead in the game that they never led in the scoreboard. And he thought that Reimer played 18 games straight. Like, where are you? Anyways, uh, how many times is this guy going to compare what happens on the ice to meat and potatoes? I mean, come on. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear all oh, those meat and potatoes, like, it's not like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. Like, that's awesome. I'm just kind of like, great. Like, you you, you just couldn't express yourself any any uh, any more than just meat and potatoes. Anyways, whatever. Um, the game plan. You know what I mean? The Sharks are, they always seem to be playing a collapsing defensive scheme and the least aggressive offense in like team history. Anyways, as far as the Russell, so, so yeah, I would I would take Bob Booner out. At this point, I would ask you, Sharks fans, who do you think would make a better head coach? Dan, uh, excuse me, Drew Remenda or Brett Hedekin? Because I would honestly have one of them behind the squad calling the shots than than this than this guy right now and i don't mean anything against bob Boudner. i know some of you out there might defend him be taken too personal it has nothing to do with the guy as an individual as a person it just has to do everything with the being the hockey coach right <laughs> anyways um so i get i get someone fresh someone new or maybe someone familiar at the club i think hedekin or remenda would be a great choice because honestly like in terms of NHL coaches out there right now, uh, I'm not trying to do shuffle. You know what I'm saying? If we're gonna hire somebody, he better you know be better than the Boar, who just got his 500th career win. You know what I'm saying? Uh, otherwise, recruit someone new, fresh. Get someone from college. Get someone from the minor leagues. You know what I'm saying? But do not, anyways. Yeah, do not give this. Do not give Boogner another year, or else I don't think we'll return to the playoffs for four years in a row. First time in Sharks history, or the only time. Hopefully, they make it this year. Anyways, um, so you get the new bench boss. Can't even begin to. You know, it's how how can I project who that'll be? 
come next off season or into summer. But if I was that new, you know, if, if I was GM or coach for a day, you know, I'm just doing this stuff from, you know, armchair GM, armchair coach. Right. But you know, I would, I would strip the captain patches from the players and I would start the season with no alternates, no captain. Make these guys earn that patch. You know what I'm saying? Like, let them know, like, okay, this, it's these little simple things like this can kind of like symbolically show, like, all right, we're starting fresh and we're looking to see who's going to step up. You know what I'm saying? Like in a healthy way, not like oh we're gonna send you down to the league or we're gonna make you healthy scratch and you're gonna have to step your game up, you know like take away the leaderships because obviously no one out there is leading. I hate to say it, but it's just the facts. And then most of the guys that wore the A for us, they're in and out of injuries. Okay, so I mean we won't hold injuries to them. It's not like they have much control over that. Don't want to be insensitive either. Don't want to sound like, you know, like, you know, oh, you know, you're just, just go out there and produce. Don't ever get hurt. But you know what I'm trying to say. Get the team, you know, get the team, force them to find what their identity is. According to Bugner, the identity is a physical game. They're, they play, they're a physical team with a family-like atmosphere. <laughs> Anyways. Whatever. And they serve each other meat and potatoes. <laughs> All right. All right. My bad. I've been kind of going on a tangent on this for a minute. But, um, you know, have the players, you know, find lines that work when you do keep them together. Stop playing shuffle with, with the roster spots. Free up the salary cap space by getting rid of these veterans with all due respect and start infusing our youth. Start infusing our prospects. Bring back William Eklund. Put Adam Raska in the lineup if you need physicality. Keep Jonathan Dolan and Meyer and Couture together because it doesn't seem like Tomas Hurdle is going to be in Sharks territory much longer. So you might as well get back to one of our best lines this season if you want to implement this implement that uh, line change this year. Otherwise, you know you have the whole entire offseason to get these guys together. And if you don't think youth plays a huge part, or if you don't think that these guys are ready, look at what just happened the other night when all five skaters on the rink were rookies. First time in Sharks history when the goal was scored by Reedy. Anyways, I think I've made my point. Uh, the last thing you got to do is the front office needs to own their failures. It doesn't matter how well the team does in the standings, okay? If you cannot find a way to fill the tank, is there really any incentive for the boys to win? I think when you have an empty arena, it's like, all right, well, you know, first of all, you know, the momentum and the juice, so to speak, is taken out of the game. But secondly, it's like, hey, if, if we don't win, like, who's watching? <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy, but I feel like, you know, um, when you put 17,000 plus people in front of the boys, it gives them more reason to go out there and, you know, get, give it their all. So, um, the front office is, it owns up to their failures in terms of the contracts they've signed and in terms of how they're marketing this team. Okay. Because, um, I don't care how good of a team you are. You know what I mean? Like this isn't bubble hockey. 
I mean, ask all the players or listen to all the players and their experience with bubble hockey. It wasn't ideal having the best teams in the National Hockey League play in front of nobody. So, yeah, I don't think it matters how good the Sharks team put together. If they don't see anyone coming up to support them, then, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to have an effect eventually. Anywho. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm getting, while I'm on that note, I'm getting real tired of hearing how bad the restrictions are for the Sharks in Santa Clara County and how that's playing a part in the attendance. Okay, we all had to deal with this pandemic. The difference between the fans and the front office or players is that they have a six or seven figure salary. Okay, so stop trying to blame it. You know the the emptiness of the tank on things that are like out of our control. You got to own up your failures. Okay, the fans are not oblivious to the direction that this team is headed based on. The contracts that were made or that, you know, the contracts that were, you know, that they have or, you know, like the guy who's calling the shots behind the bench or the fact that like their most exciting player, they send halfway around the world. Like, think of that, like that would have been like one of the best things in what was already known to be like a horrible season coming up. I hate to say it like that, but the Sharks didn't really do much when it came to changing who they were this offseason. Like, they kind of did the bare minimum. Uh, some you could say that they can't do much because of the salary cap hit, but um, again, that's the front office. You could call it spending to the cap. Most fans out there think it's called bad business. I don't know. You know, I'll leave that up to all of you out there individually. So I th- all that to say is I don't think there's any magic, like, answer right now to say hey you know how do you get the team to return to playoffs but i think it starts by you know owning your mistakes figure out how to make things happen with you know like how to move on from there and make it better especially for the fans the guy who has a losing coaching record needs to go and the team needs to build their identity from within themselves but they had to be given the opportunity to create that chemistry. You got to put our best players, the young guys, the prospects, the future Sharks, you need to put them in now. And, you know, <laughs> give them a game plan where they could actually, like, succeed. You know, give them an opportunity to win. Obviously, when you have five shots or four shots on goal in the first freaking period, that's not a game plan to succeed. Um, so yeah, he speaks saying they have a family-like atmosphere, Bugner does, yet, you know, from my understanding, he recently shamed them for not showing up for Reimer, and then there was a video of him, like, you know, throwing all those, um, you know, F-bombs at the squad for not having a precise practice, so I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I really don't know, um, the stories aren't matching what we're seeing out there, okay? Um, so I think you get rid of the bench boss. The front office needs to, needs to shake it up. Whether that means another GM, um, whether that means you know the ownership group needs to have a more active role, be more present in the city. 
but yeah, I, you know, and then and then the team itself, you gotta have them find the identity for who they are. You can't just be like, oh, we play a physical game, a physical game because that's a game I like, you know, because Boogner is a physical guy. Anyways, so yeah, that's pretty much my spiel. Wow, we almost went a whole regulation of hockey. Thank you to everyone who's been listening this whole time. This is probably the longest podcast I have done thus far. Um, you can check out all our podcasts. They'll be on the webpage www.sharkcityhockey.com don't forget to follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at shark city hockey of course you're watching live on facebook instagram twitch and youtube so um you know drop a comment and i'll respond live otherwise if you want to hear your voice and your take on this podcast visit our podcast messaging service speakpipe.com forward slash shark city hockey you have up to five minutes to give us your spiel your rant or your venting session on all things sounds like sharks hockey i am aaron james thank you for spending this time with me this evening uh, happy hump day to all of you out there in sharks territory and as always until next time let's go sharks <laughs>